Hey, yo, Internets, you are tuned in to the Combat Jack Show, thecombatjackshow.com. What's Shit. up, Premium? What's Pete? going on, Combat? Man, I'm just feeling great, man. We, I mean, this, this, we have been on such a run Fire. this year. But I'm so honored to have our next guest. Yes. In the booth with us Special. tonight. You know, I, I was, you know, I wanted her on the show because, you know, over the past couple of weeks, after our last episode with uh, Jessica Rosenblum, mm-hmm. I've kind of felt like this need to have another strong woman on the show. Mm-hmm. And over the past several years, I've just been hearing her name. This woman, I've been hearing her name everywhere. Like here and there. I'm like, what the fuck does she do? You People know what ask, I mean? Man. People ask. People say she's a director, mm-hmm. filmmaker, mm-hmm. an artist, a designer, creative consultant, DJ. What? I'm saying all of that shit. But I'm like, what the fuck does she do? And it's another thing. Like when, when guests come on our show, Premium, mm-hmm. I always ask you, Make sure we're not dick riding yes. our guests. But how do you interview somebody that seems to come off so perfect in let, everything they do? Well, I mean, listen, the way I'm saying is let her say that for herself. Okay, internets, without further ado, I bring to you New York City's downtown sweetheart, Vashti. Cheer. In the building. What's up, Vashti? <laughs> Welcome to the Combat Jack Show. Thank you. I've been holding back Googles this entire time, but thank you. How do you like that intro? You like that intro? It's very good. I didn't pay them, everyone. I should just let you know I did not pay pay them. No. So you look great, as always. Thank you. And you've got all this makeup on your face. Why are you caked up today? For the show? Well, I would like to say that yes, but no. (laughs) uh, I thought it was radio. I'd be safe from from photo, but um, I just came from a photo shoot for Cosmopolitan Magazine. What? Yes. Stay winning. Now, what was the purpose of the shoot? Well, it's for their September issue. And so basically, you know, every September issue of a fashion magazine, they do a lot of, you know, how to and like your must have items and sort of, I guess I'm the opening page for the style section or I don't, I'm not quite sure, but I just know that I'm involved. You're in it. I'm in it. Right. Okay. And now how does that feel? I mean, it feels amazing. I'm, you know, I think. That, you know, for the most part, I'm like living in Manhattan and living out my dream. But for the most part, I still feel like I'm like this kid from the hood in Albany who's, you know, going nowhere in life. So it's really shocking and surprising to know that I'm doing this. Now, earlier today, you made an announcement that you became the face of macadamia. Mm-hmm. What is macadamia? So macadamia. 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 So uh, macadamia beauty is a, you know, hair and beauty product line. And it's sort of, I mean, you guys, you're, you guys are guys. So you right. might not know, but more like Pete, Moroccan. Pete would know. Pete okay. Would know. You might know. Yes. So um, he's into that shit. Wait, how would I know about you know because, about makeup and yeah, all that when she said macadamia, I thought it was nuts. Or yeah, something. it is nuts. So that, you know, there's, there's Moroccan nut oil, right? right. So that there's a lot of different oils that are very booming. Right. So it's like in, in food, kale is popping, right? Like mm-hmm, kale is mm-hmm. everywhere at restaurants. But so in beauty, there's, you know, Moroccan oil, but then there's also macadamia oil. And macadamia is a, a line that caters to these products that, you know, are heavily, um, heavily influenced. Organic. Yeah, you know, it's just a lot of that. And it's it's beauty and it's international. There's, right. you know, it's, it caters to women of all colors and cultures and races and maybe men too. I mean, okay. why not? So, um, so yeah, so I'm, I'm on a... You know, I'm I'm 
the face of a hair care line and beauty line. So that's pretty amazing. So you're cashing a lot of checks right now. Get out of Hawaii. You're, um, you're, you're cashing a lot of checks right now. I'm cashing checks that make sense to my life. And if it's something, you know, because all of these things that come into my life, I'm like, let me just test it. Let me know. Let me see if it works for me. And if it, if it's all, you know, if it's something that I believe in and I can really endorse and be a part of, then sure. So, so for anyone who's questioning what it is, it's like, these are products that I, you know, I believe in. So, so, so Vashti, like, like to our listeners, mm-hmm. tell them exactly what you do. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot. It's a lot. It's unbelievable. I mean, it's unbelievable because it just doesn't make any sense. And right. so I understand when people, even my mom is like, I don't know what you do. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and my mom doesn't know what I do. <laughs> right. Uh. Um, <laughs> well, you know, I grew up being obsessed with music and music videos at a time when MTV played music videos. And so I knew that I wanted to go to film school. I was always an artist making things, drawing and painting and uh, went to film school and, you know, want, had the intention of directing music videos. So by trade and, you know, if we're going off of education, I went to school for film and sort of fell into other worlds because of my interests. So I'm like really involved with, you know, in sneakers and streetwear and sort of being mainly the only girl in a lot of places with my my like homeboys it was like you know oh she's a girl wearing jordans and so i kind of got known for that which kind of got me involved with becoming the first girl to ever design her own jordans of course which is pretty amazing um you know and i grew up sort of never having a brand that spoke to me like i wore every other brand that was like a boy brand like even you know going to brands like supreme and getting t-shirts but getting them altered like to fit like a small t-shirt, not like a hanging off the shoulder tank top. So you actually got your t-shirts altered. I I had a Chinese tailor in Nolita who would cut them into a small t-shirt, not a baby tee, just a t-shirt that was small enough to fit me because they were, you You know, You get swallowed up in them. What'd you say? You get swallowed up. Exactly. Now you, now you brought them the Supreme. You brought them your own product, right? Yeah. I brought them the product. I brought them the template of a t-shirt that fit me perfectly. And again, I always say, I'm like, it wasn't like, oh, hanging off the shoulder and like this cute, sexy cut up tee. It was like, no, a regular t-shirt, not a baby tee, just a small t-shirt. So, you know, through doing that and just sort of, I don't know, I just kind of became known, I guess, as a girl who was a tomboy. And I think that a lot of brands kind of were attracted to that. Right. Especially now, because I feel like not that I'm the, not that I'm the only girl that does that or did that. It was just sort of being, I guess, um, visible. A lot of brands took notice of that. Um, and, you know, I didn't have a, a brand that spoke to me as a girl. So I was like, you know, I want to start my own brand. And I wanted to start my own brand for a long time. So um, I started my own brand, Violet, which launched. I like the tease. I love Thank the tease. Thank you. started in 2008. I did a new collaboration with Cameron. Really? That's coming out soon. Yes. Hint, hint. <laughs> can, you, can you describe how some of those designs look? Well, it's inspired. My, so my brand's called Violet. And, you know. Cam is, I mean, aside from being amazing and incredible and a huge uh, cultural, like, amazing person, I mean, he has Purple Haze. And so right. Violet, so we came together and it's Violet Haze and we just did a couple it's kinda of, It's kind of similar to color, yeah, right? Yeah, you know. So we came together to do a couple of, of designs and uh, some fun stuff and then... Some smoke smoke? I don't smoke, actually. You never smoked? I've never tried... I only started drinking a couple of years ago. You drink. What do you drink? I drink whiskey. <laughs> what kind of whiskey do you drink? I drink scotch whiskey. I like McAllen's Neat. Okay. Uh, my friend just got me a bottle of uh, 
Glenlivet uh, 18. Nice. Which is nice. I drink Damn. it on the rocks or neat. Nice. I like it neat. I don't, nice. To me, I don't know. I'm not a vodka girl. Vodka, cranberry. Cran- I don't know. I'm just not, not into all it. That, yeah. Right. So now you're from Albany. Mm-hmm. Talk about growing up in Albany. Well, a lot of people seem to think that Albany is like, you know, it's funny because I didn't know that what people might have thought about Albany. And I was, I, when I think of Albany, mm-hmm. I think of, yeah, it's the capital of New York, mm-hmm. but it's also kind of not sexy. Well, okay. I don't particularly, I'm not attracted to the word sexy at right. all. So it's fine by me, but I know what you mean. A lot of people, when I moved out of Albany, were like, oh, they assumed I was from a gated community from the way that I spoke. Right. Like I'm from like this nice suburb or whatever. I'm it's not. rural. No, no, not where I'm from. Okay. Where I'm from is is the hood, is downtown. It's um the let's just put it this way: the year that I left um for art school, I remember I came back and it was like this huge controversy because some kid there was a beat cop walking down the street and he grabbed his gun and just shot him in the mm. face for no reason just on my block on your block yeah so that was my block right and um so growing up for me it was very it was very hood it was scary. Like in New York, I'm not scared. I go to Bushwick, I go wherever, and I'm not scared. Right. Albany is scary because it's like where I'm from, especially not all parts of Albany. It was hood, but it was there's nothing to do, right. so that makes it even scarier. So it's like you know, what do you, you can get lost? Yeah, up there, exactly. Or someone might hurt you because they just have nothing else to do right. for fun. Some I, real creepy, scary shit. Yes, like what would, what you would see in horror movies type of right. Thing. Like why is it so quiet right now? That's a little frightening. <laughs> right. But I will say, okay, that is the negative side, the sad side. I mean, I also grew up at a time that's far different from now where it was like, you know, 2 Chains has a song called I'm Different. And I'm like, yo, when I grew up, saying you were different was not cool. It was a reason for you to get beaten up. Right. So. You used to get teased. I got teased. I got bullied. bullied. I got bullied. Did you get into fights? I got into fights. Yeah. Did you fight back? I did fight back. I did. Are you nice with your hands? I mean, I don't think that I am because a lot of times it was so many boys were involved it would just stop. But it wasn't like because it was girl fights. It wasn't like fights with boys. But did um, did you knock a bitch out? No, I've never done that. It never got to that point where I got knocked out or someone got knocked out. It was just like stopped. It was like a lot of like no world star chit chat. No, it was a lot of staging. Did you put your hair up in a ponytail? No, no Vaseline Vaseline on the side of your side. No, No, I was like, you can rip my hair. I don't even care at this point. Rip my hair out. You know, you mentioned that um, you were bullied. You know, what were you bullied for? Well, okay, so my brother and sister were seven and eight years older than me. And maybe those few years kind of gave them more room to be a little bit more different and eclectic and interested in different things. My brother was gay, which was definitely not cool then and probably isn't as cool now. I mean, it's probably a little bit more accepted. But Well, gay is a new black right now. Exactly. <laughs> so he was, he was gay and at a time when it was extremely unacceptable especially in my household. And my sister was just like off in her own world. Like she listened to Depeche Mode and Nina Cherry. And like, mm. you know, even though she, there was elements of, of other things, it was just like, she was in another world and we were in the hood. Uh, we lived in an apartment. It was sort of like they had these, um, I won't call them duplexes, but they're like houses that have two apartments. Right. And so that's sort of how we grew up and uh, in the entire neighborhood. Um, and your family's from Trinidad. My family's from Trinidad. So my brother was gay. So he turned me on to like house music and voguing and like club culture from New York City. And my sister turned me on to like, you know, like in excess and like kind of like, you know, English like pop music. So 
I had those influences. So when I was like in seventh and eighth grade, I was like, oh, cool. You know, like, yeah, you know, I love Biggie and I love Nas. But, but I like the English beat. Right. But I, I want to be on a skateboard and I want to wear Pumas. And they, I mean, kids were like, why are you trying to be white? Uh, like, you know, like today it's like, oh, that's so cool. Right, right. I'm wearing glasses that don't have prescriptions. You know what I mean? It's like, all right, that's not whatever. But, but you didn't have the freedom or people didn't have the freedom. To be exactly. That, it's eclectic. a different it's a right. different time now. Right. True. Um, so I grew up at a time where it was like being different was totally like a stigma right. and got made fun of. Like, and I also couldn't afford brands, which was a diff. That was a whole nother level, which I feel like a lot of people can identify with. Like, I mean, I wore Spalding sneakers from Kmart. I remember coming to school in fifth grade and this kid, I won't even say his name. He just came up and was like pointed at him and was like, yo, she got these ill, like fake wax sneakers. And then every, the whole class laughed at me. And I remember like, I was always that kid that got made fun of. Right. Now, did you, were you angry? But did you have rage when, no. when this would happen? I don't think I had rage. What would you, what would you go through? Um, I think that it was just depression. I right. went through deep depression and, um, growing up, growing up. And I think, because of that, it's funny because someone asked me this random question and it really was almost like therapy for me because someone was like, oh, like, it's so cool that you've been doing your own thing. Like, you just don't even think about it. You're just like free with how you want to do things. You're creative and you dress how you want to dress without thinking about other people. And I was like, wow. I was like, I really feel like it was because I was bullied because I was pushed to such a far degree where it was like I became such an afterthought to people because I was so quote unquote weird or right. different. That they were like, whatever, she's corny and weird and let her be weird. So it was like, all right, cool. Like, you won't accept me for even sort of trying, then I don't even have to try. Right. So I so think it was a did blessing. Did you find yourself at that age and at that period actually doing stuff that was further into this quote unquote weirdness? I think that it just forced me to be enveloped into... The, the arts i really spent so much more time in music like i would literally go home go to my room put on headphones watch music videos it was just all about removing myself like right. just escaping escaping right. it. absolutely so it was like music music videos um going to record shops when they existed and like listening to music and burying myself at like art stores and sort of doing that sort of thing and that was really solitary it wasn't no one else was really involved in that world was this helping you out of that pain yeah for sure it's funny because a friend of mine tonight who's in london was sending me like really amazing music right. and we were like sharing songs and i was like damn you know this is a really deep thing to say but i was like you know we were talking about how music has really influenced us and i was like music really saved my life for sure no i could definitely relate yeah so so when you're going through this um i would imagine that the the, the first thing you want to do is get the fuck away from that yeah and the first place <laughs> you wanted to come to was new york city yeah i was obsessed with right new york, now yeah. had you been in new york before yeah well so the f i i my family i have family in the bronx okay. i have an uncle and an aunt and, and co two cousins who grew up in on gun hill road in burke Ave apartments which is very hood for anyone who knows like you know i dated a girl in gun hill okay she had, had bullet scars right? yeah i had to make i had to make sure when i drove down the block i made sure the doors were locked <laughs> yeah um so i had family here but i i knew i wanted to be here from jump i right. mean i don't know what was it about here that that you thought or that you perceived? I don't know. I feel like if you're anyone in any part of the world, I just think that like, and maybe this is pompous and this is like OD, but I feel like you just know New York is like this cultural center point of right. everything. Right. So I grew up thinking that and knowing that I will say knowing that. And my brother who 
of course, was older, gay, and into the club scene and into music, kind of would come here. He was like eight years old. I mean, he would come to New York, go to parties, go to Limelight, go to all the, and then come back and tell me stories. And I was like, oh my God, tell me more. Take me with you. Take me with you. So I grew up with this, with him. And then also being an artist, like loving Andy Warhol, Basquiat, like, you know, everyone who's ever come to New York to make it. Right. You know, every, you know, all of those artists were artists that I looked up to and they came to New York. So it was definitely a place that I felt like I needed to be in. Right. Um, and also when I was younger, I stumbled upon Details Magazine, which at that point. Details was the shit. But yes, and Details. We're talking about mid 90s? Yes. And we're talking about in Details before it was like a men's magazine. Right. You know, it was like, before it was like culture, it was yeah. like clubbing yeah. and like you know, culture and Because I think it was trying to be interview at the time. It was, right. for sure. You see, you know. Um, and so I think that for me, I was like, oh man, New York is where I belong. Like I just, I just always felt like a kinship there. I right. felt like. So in terms of like all the schools, you applied to all the schools and how many schools did you apply to? I applied to three. Three. I only went to the interview for SVA. I was afraid to go to the NYU interview. Tisch school? Uh, yes, it was very was, difficult to get in. Well, I was just like, I was like, oh my God, they're never going to accept me. Right. That was, that was my low self-esteem. I was like, they won't accept me. I'm not going. Right. They were like, you have an appointment today. And I was like, I'm not going. You, just, you ditched it. You, I just didn't go. Right. Okay. I was like, they're not going to accept me. I don't know. And it's funny because I'd like to think that I'm a realist, but you know, maybe I'm just a little self-conscious. Right. And, and not really wanting to deal with rejection. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Oh, this is therapy. <laughs> <laughs> no, it is therapy. So, so you got into you. You applied to SVE mm-hmm. and you got in. I got in. Right. Went to the interview. Never took a tour of the school. They accepted me. I showed up on like, you know, arrival day. Didn't know what the dorms looked like. Didn't know what the classrooms looked like. Just knew that I got accepted, and I was like, I'm out of here. Right. And it was funny because a couple weeks before I got accepted, um, it's weird. Like my my family life is a little disjointed, but um, how so? So. You know, <laughs> um, my you know my family's from Trinidad. Traditional, traditional. Bus up shot. Yes. Bus up shot. And my father is very. Um, he gets angry, and he can get physical, and very physical. Probably more than I don't know. I wouldn't say all West Indian men or all Trinidadian men are, th- are, are that way at right. all. But from from in my situation, my father was very physical, abusive. And I love him. We, we have a good com- we have a good relationship now, um, because I as you know with saying that I know that you know we're all human. We make right. mistakes. We also don't know sometimes how to behave. But whatever. Um, it's a being a parent now. is hard. Exactly. And you know what else is? I just you know not that I just realized, but I I say to my friends now, it's like, you know, who have parent issues. I'm like. Your parents are human. You right. know that. Like, think about your friend that you're best friends with. Imagine them having a kid and knowing all the mistakes they will make. Right. And you don't, you don't really realize that, but we're, we're human. It's like you, we grow up thinking our parents are supposed to be superhuman. But again, that doesn't mean that our parents should be abusing us or doing right. crazy things, but, um, we're human. But, you know, growing up, it was, uh, it was, it was tough. It was tough. And I think on that, the outside, right. it was tough at home as well. Exactly. So right. the escapism for me was definitely music and movies. And he was, was he pissed off at your brother being gay? I mean, he was as a West Indian man. For sure. Right. I mean, there was that, but my father was just angry, uh, angry, at angry. Life. And what, what did he do? Like career wise career? He was a car mechanic. Okay. Yep. And my mom at the time, she, it transitioned a lot. I mean, in their country in Trinidad, they didn't have much schooling. My father was always by trade a car mechanic. My mom came here and sort of kind of figured her way out. 
like went to school for nursing and became, you know, started working at a nursing home. And um, so very hard, like hardcore working class, hardcore working class, like barely saw them together, right? barely saw them at all working double shifts and still to this day, you know, like working very hard. Um, so, you know, there was that. And then, you know, just the slightest thing could really set my father off. Was he a drinker? Did he drink? He did, which right. is probably why I didn't drink for a long time. Okay. Um, and so, you know, so growing up, uh, probably around the age of 14 was the last time he left at that point. It was many, uh, police visits. We got know, those knocks and, on the door. Yeah. Like what's going on? Right. And it's funny because growing up, you know, everyone's like, fuck the police. And it's like, oh, well, no, I really like when the police come to my house, but they stop things. <laughs> so you grew up with a lot of drama yeah. in the house. Yeah. When he left, how'd you feel? Relieved. Right. It's funny because I, and then I went to, I got a, a scholarship to a high school with, um, it was, you know, very wealthy, uh, a wealthy Catholic school for all girls. Right. And it was, only white girls. And they were like, oh, my parents divorce really hurt me. And I was like, damn. I was like, I was stoked my dad left. Turn up. <laughs> Turn like, up. <laughs> Get but, your ass um, out of here. Yeah. But so, I mean, rewind. So when I was go- applying for art school, I knew that, like, for me, it was like, it was me or nothing. Like, there was no way my parents were helping me or whatever. So, like, a couple weeks before I left, I tell my mom, like, yo, I'm out in, like, two weeks. Just so you know. She's like, all right. She's like, good luck. <laughs> it was like, Just that. like that yeah and the is, pe- isn't that the amazing thing though about um i'm haitian okay and i think one of the amazing things about growing up in a west indian family is that it gets really hot mm-hmm. and it gets really volatile but at the same time like there's that there it's like fine go like it's that that cold kind of yeah. like love you know what i mean yeah so you get accepted to school you tell your mom mm-hmm. you're about to go to the city mm-hmm. how do you survive Um, so when I first, when I first applied, they were like, yeah, cool. We got you. You have your student loans. You have your student aid. It's a lot of student loans. I'm still in debt. Still paying that shit, right? Uh, yeah. So, but, so all of a sudden they, out of like, in, within those two weeks before I go, they're like, oh, there's a problem with your paperwork. There's not enough money to cover you as a full-time student during the day. So I was freaking out. So it was funny. A friend of mine who's, uh, who's Yugoslavian from, Albany. His name is Vuki. He's like this cool kid, like maybe drug dealer. Um, maybe. A good, a good friend of mine. Maybe arms dealer. That I grew Allegedly. up with. That I grew up with, right. who's like my age. I told him the problem. And I remember it was like one night, he was like, oh my God. He's like, let's drive down there. I'm going to drive you to your school and you're going to figure it out. And I was like, all right. So he drove me down. We drove down to New York. Mind you, I'd never partied in New York. I've just gone to like certain things in Manhattan for school. And then, you know, basically visit a family in the Bronx. So we go- drive down. I go to talk to my financial advisor, who was this cool ass dude from Chicago, who was like, okay, I figured it out. He's like, with the money that you're getting, he's like, we can put you as a as an evening student, like a night school student, and you can go to school that way, and it'll cover everything. And I was like, all right, cool. So, so you became a night school. So I, be- I went to night school, but during the day, I worked full-time and weekends i worked full-time so in albany side note i had millions of jobs right one of the jobs i got was i was 13 years old my sister got her like navel pierced at this tattoo shop and like the owner was like i don't know i loved i was like in love with the owner but in love with this the spot because it was all these art books so every day in love with him like you wanted him to be a boyfriend or in love with he was he was an older gentleman but i was like in love with him not like i would ever you know make that happen but i was like oh he i had like a crush i was like 13 so i had an after school job 
Uh, no, I, not, not after school. It was a summer job that the, the, the city put together. It was like the school program that, that taught you how to put together resumes and how to act during uh, an interview, like this whole program. And they it's gave, like prep, prep program. Right, right. And they allocated jobs for you. So I had this af- this summer job and then I, ha- I volunteered. At the tattoo parlor? No. So okay. hold on. So <laughs> so on, in Albany, there's a street called Lark Street, which is sort of like the East Village. Right. Okay. So it's got like your, your smoke shop, your tattoo shop, your like cool restaurants. And there was this program that was in the basement of this church that taught us every Monday like certain skills. But then Tuesday through Friday, you had a job that they gave you. Right. And so I had a job in that building. In the church. In the church. Right. So at the time, I also, after that program, I would go and volunteer at the hospital, Albany Med. But in between that like period volunteering. volunteering and work there was the tattoo shop that i would have to pass by and i was i would always go in there and just kill time looking at art books whatever right. so one of the days that i was doing that the one of the guys was like cramped for time and he's like oh god i need help scrubbing some tools will you help me you're always here and i was like okay and he's like you're also underage and you shouldn't be out here so we'll give you something to do right so they started paying me like i don't know ten dollars an hour at that working time working at the tattoo shop working at the tattoo shop which is kind of cool extremely for, for, for cool a 13 year old i mean and it was all it was that's th- like hardcore three or four grown grown ass men right i mean i heard conversations that a 13 year old girl should never hear right. but not that they did that on purpose it was just things i kind of like peeked in on and but it was cool because they they were all artists a lot of them at least two of them were from new jersey new york area went to parsons were graphic designers right. before so for me as an artist when i was preparing for art school they put helped me put together my portfolio you know, gave me the big black leather portfolio for me to carry to to like art schools. And so it was like having like my three dads, but like not biological. Training you for the real world. Yeah. Did you ever think, oh shit, all these guys went to like Parsons and these cool schools. Am I going to fucking end up back in Albany in this tattoo? Well, you know what? (laughs) Honestly, I was really sad about leaving Albany because I, it was for me, there was an area that I loved. And as much as, I mean, I didn't want to end up back in Albany because I wanted to venture out. It wouldn't have been such a bad deal. Because when I came to New York, so coming back to bringing the story all together, I worked days at a tattoo shop in New York City. Okay. Because in the, the village? In, no, on Canal Street. Okay. So it was um, the owner of the tattoo shop in Albany moved to Long Island with his family and managed a tattoo shop on Canal Street, which he then brought me into. So it was sort of like kind of perfect timing. Because you had it on your resume too. I had it on my resume. And the owner, whose name is Bruce Kaplan, I have to say, I would because I would go there after school in a school uniform and everyone was like, who is this girl? Is this your daughter? So, you know, I was in love with this. (laughs) I was in love with him for a long time. And then it became like, oh, he's like a father figure, but like sort of like a big brother, like very, you know, helpful to me in my, my life. He ended up having a son and then a daughter and the daughter was born on my birthday. Wow. Yeah. Now, do you have any tattoos? I have zero tattoos. You work in a two, t- you worked in two tattoo parlors and you don't have a tattoo. Why yeah. not? Because I've seen a lot of bad tattoos. Right. And I think that for me, I was like, oh, I'm going to take my time and just work it through. And then eventually every idea that I had, it was sort of like, oh, I don't know. I don't really care for that so much. And then now it's so crazy because tattoos are like. Ew. You're like, Ew. They're, they're the norm, but tattoos are the norm. What about piercings? You never got into piercings? I had like ear piercings, but. But working with these guys who were like father figures, they were like nothing above the neck. You have to have straight A's if you want anything pierced at all. Right. And then it was like through that, but it was like never anything like vulgar. It was like a neck and above. So you get to New York and you're hustling mm-hmm. and you're working at this tattoo place. Mm-hmm. And then where like 
tell us like your initial experiences, like your initial, like your initial reflections on New York City. Well, so, you know, for me, I hated taking the train because I once got lost on the train and I was, for me, I'm like, if I can see it, I can understand it. I'd rather walk the city from where, beginning where to living? end. On 23rd and Lexington okay. and the George Washington building, which was a hotel. And I think before that it was maybe a brothel before brothel, okay. then hotel, then a dorm. Right. And, but when I moved into it, it was a dorm slash apartment building. So there was a lot of tenants there, uh, which is cool because it was like, it's an old hotel. There's not like, you know, kitchenettes. It's like, okay, it's just a room with a bathroom. What, what year are we talking about? Um, you know, I would say. But 90s? No, early 2000s. Okay, early 2000s. Yeah. Um, so were the towers still up? The towers were up and about to fall down. Okay. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> so, yeah. So there was that kind of period. But for me, when I first moved to New York, and I'm a creature of habit. I'm a tourist. I like to do everything the same. So in Albany, I was hanging out at the tattoo shop hanging out at the local record shop, hanging out at the local skate shop. So when I came here, I was like, oh, okay, well, duh, I'll go to Fat Beats and duh, I'll go to Supreme. Right. So that's where I would go and hang out. And so through doing that, I met a lot of good people and friends and sort of built the same situation I had in Albany, but in New York, which was, of course, on a different scale. And is that how you gained your nickname? Downtown Sweetheart? Yeah. Because yes. in Albany, I'm I'm from downtown. Um so when I when when I moved to New York, a friend of mine from Albany was visiting me. He's his name is Ghetto Dave by his white friends because he's the only white boy in our in my neighborhood in which was predominantly black. So all of his white friends were like, "Oh, that's like, fucked up, man." Yeah, but you know what? It, it stuck. I mean, he listens to Joe to see. He's like right. this complete tall, skinny white boy with right. tattoos and a beard. Um, so that that's his nickname, and uh, he came to visit me, and I was he was like, oh, I'm gonna go downtown. We were on 23rd Street, and he's like, oh, I'm gonna go to the Lower East Side. I was like, oh, I'll walk with you. He's like, oh God. He's like, do not walk with me. He's like, I swear to God, every time we walk together, you stop and talk to a hundred million people. He's like, I don't know, you like like downtown sweetheart or something. It became it was like a joke, right? So it sort of became like a cute, funny nickname. So when did this lifestyle start becoming like a career for you? Um. Like it, because it really started becoming a career for you. Like you became known as this individual who did magic. And then like, what happened? I think that uh, for me, it was probably when I got asked to work at Def Jam, maybe right. because I didn't understand. It was like, oh, you got asked to work at Def Jam. Yes. How? So because it's um, usually the other way around. You ask right. to work well, at Def Jam. You know, and I and it just goes to show like I was sort of I still came from this like immigrant like i'm not good enough sort of like mentality i'm not worthy yeah i'm not worthy and uh um the woman that it was a woman too so she asked me grace um miguel asked me to come in to the creative department at def jam i'd been working for her and her uh ex-partners a company directing music videos and they were like well we, we basically need someone in the creative department who knows what cool is who's in touch with the street who knows what trends are. And I totally was like, what? You're going to pay me to tell you what I know right. of nothing. Like and to me at that point, it was like nothing. Right. But you know, now as I've gotten older, I've realized how important that information is because, because a lot the of people those, that work in those, in those buildings, are they're out of touch. Right. That clueless. Clueless. Right. So I was like, okay. I was like, oh my God, I'm living. Don't tell mom the babysitter's dead. The movie. It's like, I'm clearly not old enough to be here. You're giving me an executive title, a corporate card, you know, and I'm like 
able to do all this stuff. I was like, what? I was like, all right. So how was it in that building? It was, I will say it was exciting, but it was a nightmare. Right. It was corporate. It was corporate. And in, I won't name any names, but there were so many people. I was like, they were like, okay, well, think of a, you know, think of something cool for them to wear or think of a cool haircut. Or, and I was like, why don't we just sign cool people? Why do we, why are we signing these people mm. who their music's being written by this person? Their dances are being chore- choreographed, choreographed. Choreo- chore- chore- choreographed, choreographed right. by this person. Um, you know, all of these- So you start pissing people off. Well, no, I didn't say that, but I was right. just, I'm sitting there like confused. Like, why are we doing this? You know, maybe, and maybe I grew up sort of just didn't Practical. know, but did, but I was like, I don't know. Maybe they should have something to bring to the table. Why are we, who cares that right. they can just sing it? I don't right. know. And they're not even singing it that and, well. And, that, and that's you know? not, that's it's not like, how the music business right. works. That's definitely not so, how the music business works. So needless to say, after like probably eight or nine months, I was completely drained and I don't have like a poker face at all. Like if I'm not feeling something, I clearly am not feeling it. And my bo- and I felt bad because my boss, who was also my, my mentor, she was like, you know, it doesn't seem like you're kind of into this. Like, how are you feeling? And I was like, I was like, yeah, I was like, I don't think I'm really built for this, you know. But also at the same time, I'm an artist and I wasn't creating anything. I was working 12 hour, 14 hour days, right. weekends. And then it was like, you know, you come home and it's what, like, what, what have you contributed to yourself? I mean, especially if your work isn't fulfilling. So, um, I didn't stay there for for after a year. I was there for a year. So you're very uh, active in New York's uh, nightlife. Mm-hmm. You DJ. Mm-hmm. You have a party every Thursday mm-hmm. called 1992. Mm-hmm. What's the concept of that? Well, so 1992 was born in 2006. Um, at the time, uh, my friend Oscar and I we would go to a lot of parties. We would go to album release parties, fashion week parties. You know, all the parties that happen in New York that everyone goes to. Right. And uh, even our friends' parties who were, like, in streetwear or had brands, and you'd show up, and it was like, even if we were friends with the people, you didn't feel comfortable. It was like, oh, my God, am I cool enough? Are my sneakers cool enough? Right. Are my shoes? You know, like, and we hated that feeling. I was like, first of all, we're going to parties. We don't even like the music, one. Two, we don't feel comfortable because even the people we know don't make you feel comfortable. Right. And, you know, in our heads, we were like, why don't we start something that's fun? Like that's something that's like really about an era or a sound or a moment that we love, which happened to be the nineties, late eighties, nineties, and um and do a party based off of that. Cause a lot of the times the parties were playing top forty. And at the time, in two thousand six for me, I mean, maybe now it's different, I like it. But in two thousand six I didn't I didn't care to hear top forty at that point. Right. So we decided to start a party and And you knew enough people to that would support you. Yeah. And it was just at the point, at, at that time, we thought, okay, our friends will just come, whatever. And it it had a huge mass of following. A lot of people came. The New York Times did an article on us in like the first year, you know. Which is major. Yeah. That's it's insane. Huge. It's insane. It's right. insane. Um, and then a lot of parties around the world that I know of, like in London, started popping up where it was like a 90 like 90s inspired and whatever that were inspired by her party so and within that year too also we got asked to go to paris and amsterdam to do it which is crazy which is crazy but you, you hadn't been to europe i had been to europe but i hadn't done anything in europe right. so that was crazy it was like maybe a myspace message at that point like hey we want to book you and like you've never been to our party like, but you want to book us here. i know <laughs> i was like all right so um so that's how it kind of started and it's it was a monthly 
up until recently. And then Webster Hall brought us in as like a weekly, which is a lot of pressure. It's a lot of work. What kind of pressure? It's a lot of pressure because it's it's every week and every week is different and it's 19 and up. And as much as, you know, people, you know, you know, our generations change and, you know, we're all different. But I don't feel like even when I was working at a tattoo shop and I was 13 or 14 and the guys were 30, I didn't think we were different. I mean, I knew we were different, but I didn't think. There was no difference. You're so old and I'm so young. I didn't think that. It was just like, okay, you grew up differently. But I know about Welcome Back, Cotter, because I've heard you talk about it. Right. Or I know about, you know, good times and th- things like that, even though I didn't grow up on it, because I hear you talk and I'm I'm listening. So you had some context in terms exactly. of what that meant. Right. But I feel like the generations are really different. And I'm not ragging on it. It's just different. And right. it's a lot of times I feel like um, there's this sense of like, there's maybe maybe I was just a different kid. I don't know. But there's a sense that like, oh, I don't need to know what you know. Because I know what I know, and that's right. it. So there's like this complete disconnect, right. and this is like I don't give a fuck about what you know. Right. So there's only so far I can go back. Like I can't go before 1993. Right. And even if I do, even if I play something that's like real conscious, like if I play like a Fuji song, I promise you there will be girls trying to twerk really? <laughs> in the crowd. How has the night scene changed in New York? How's the downtown scene changed? The downtown scene. I mean, I feel like this is an exception because this crowd is. I think it's special as much as it's. It's a hard crowd. I really do enjoy it because I find that it's a challenge. And even though I feel like I've never been competitive ever in my life, I like the idea of like, oh, like I need to work around this crowd and make it work. Like I like that. So, but I feel like the downtown crowd is still the same. Like there are still parties that are like functional as is where it's like, okay, this is our sound. It's a disco party or this is like the Michael Jackson party or whatever. Like they still have those, but this is a, I mean, this is, I wouldn't consider this a, essentially a downtown crowd because there's a lot of people that aren't from downtown that are right. going to this party actually it's located in downtown but i don't think a lot of people from downtown go to this party right but is there a difference in attitude in terms of like you know did you have you seen a big shift in terms of how, what people look for when they come out in this party yeah i think that the idea is you know it's not necessarily about mm, like vibes it's about like oh like First of all, trap universally is like what people want to hear. Right. If I'm DJing in Paris or wherever, it's like trap, trap, Bring trap, me trap, to the trap, trap. Yeah. Right. Um, and then again, you know, it's not even real trap. It's like, all right, it's like someone from New York who sounds trap. But, um, <laughs> so, <laughs> um, but I, I feel like people is people just want to dance. I feel like that's universal. They want to do drugs different. too. Yeah, which I haven't really. I mean, I know that, but I, you know, I think I need to know more about that so I can understand it. <laughs> And how to play Well, just that. if you want to find out more about that, have them turn on the lights in one of your parties. Okay. And uh, you'll exactly see what that. Pete knows that, a lot about well, the limelight. I mean, I I, oh, okay. I I was in, I mean, we started the Storm Raves back the in the day. Glow sticks in. You know, with oh, Frankie wow. Bones, Dennis the Menace, okay. Joint Ventures. I mean, I was involved in all that crazy shit. And the fire marshals. Running marshes, around with the pacifier around the fire, No, no, I never did that shit. <laughs> a diaper but the fi- I don't know if you remember, I don't know if you ever heard of Storm Rave, but if you Google it, you know, you'll know we okay. had 5,000 people out in, in you know in parking lots okay wow this is the original stuff you know but uh, of rave stuff but which is now edm which is now you know all this crazy right, shit yeah. but i want to go back one second come i want to go back to um you being the first uh girl to ever design a jordan exactly um but i really want be besides you getting into this i, I, I want to first of all congratulate you on that i come from the culture and uh it, it's 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 great to see 
you know, it's funny. I think like your shoe has been adopted as like a sneaker guy gets a girl that sneaker and it's like, yeah, these are the Vashtis. And then like people don't even know who you are, some of them, but it's like, that's your sneaker. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I think that's beautiful. But my whole thing is, did you pick a two or they made you pick a two? Yeah, why the two? Well, okay. So this is how the story goes. So, um, God, was it, it was 2009, I believe. And I just had a birthday party. And it's funny because 2009, at that point, too, it was like Kid Cudi at the time, who was just Cudi, who was just Scott. And uh, we were friends. He worked at the Bape store. And it's maybe right when he kind of exploded, but we were friends before. And he, I was having just like a birthday party. And I was like, all right, you know, I'm going to get dressed up. I never get dressed up. And like have it like a, be a big thing. And Q-Tip, who's a friend of mine, DJed and Josh Madden. And um, so when we were planning it, my uh, my good friend L and my manager were like, okay, so what do you want your cake to be for your birthday? And I was like, oh, I want it to be something really cool and different. And they were like, like what? And uh, they were like, oh, sh-. like you know, my manager was like, it should be your face. I was like, that's really morbid. I was like, I don't want people eating my face. Right. I was like, wait, I should be my favorite thing. And they were like, what's your favorite thing? I'm like, Jordan threes. Hello, like that's my Black favorite. Cement. Yeah, I seen it. Alan, show ID. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah. I remember him taking pictures of. Uh, yeah, he was there. Yeah. Known him for years, and so I was like, okay, it's got to be that. And so I, I remember mentioning it and not thinking much about it because they were planning it. And then the night of, it was like all of a sudden this cake came out, and I saw this giant Jordan three, and I like lost my mind. And it made sneaker headlines, mm-hmm. and not to be shady, but a couple months later. Um, Kanye had his like little private get together and he had his Yeezys in cake form. And, and I was there and I was like, mm hmm. I was like, I wonder where you got that idea from. <laughs> but it was cake cute. Beef. Whatever. Yeah. So, 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 so are you going to claim that, that you're like the first person? I won't say that I'm the first person, right. but I'm the first person maybe in our scene that made that's it. known for it. Right. Cause maybe someone else did it and no one right. knows. Right, right. I can't say that I'm right. the only person, but, um, I mean, it's not that genius. I don't know. There's probably a million things that, people come up with that other people have come up with too anyway um so right after that i'd run into a friend of mine astor chambers who used to work at nike mm-hmm. who is now at jordan and you know he is an amazing amazing man has this lovely family and, and wife and beautiful kids and we, we just ran into each other we were talking and he's like oh i'm like how are the kids you know how's everything and he's like good and i'm like oh did you i was like i just had a birthday did you see my birthday cake and i showed it to him and he's like oh my god i'm working at jordan He's like, oh my God, we should get you to design a Jordan. Just like that. Just like that. But What the fuck? But in the city, you know, it's funny because it's funny like that because I feel like I've pitched things to people and I'm like, this will work and it never works. Nada. Right. Nada. But in, and I feel like in a city like New York, people are like, yeah, yeah, I'll call you. We'll do lunch. My people will call your people. And he, he said, you know, I'll call you tomorrow. We'll call you tomorrow. And I was like, yeah, okay. I didn't think anything of it. Right. Literally got a phone call from Portland. And I'm like, what? Hello? And it was him, his partner, and they were like, yeah, we really want to move forward with this. It's the 20th anniversary or 25th anniversary of the Jordan 2, and we really want you to do it. And I was like, man, I'm like, I'm really a Jordan 3 girl. Right. And you said that to I them. did. Right. And then but in my head, I was like, am I going to wait possibly for them to have the opportunity right. next year? I was like, no. I wear Jordan 2. Were you trying to push I did. I like did. I did. Go to the threes. That would be sick. Like that. Your callaway. I mean, for the girls at least. But but that callaway on a three would would have been phenomenal. Right. But did you see? There's this new Jordan out that is the same colorway. Yeah. Somewhat. They, somewhat. They, not that. Not the same. But it's definitely like has some sort of similarities. But um. Now, but, did you know you were the first woman to? No. You didn't know that. I didn't know that. They 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 offer this project to you, mm-hmm. and you take it. Yep. And what's going on through your mind? 
I'm screaming in my head. They're like, yeah. you know, don't tell anyone because it's, you know, obviously signing NDAs, non-disclosure agreements. Um, so I tell maybe like two people that are super close to me and I'm like, in my head, I'm like, this might get, I don't ever believe something's going to happen unless until it's out. The, until the yeah. check clears. Until the check clears, right. until it's like it hit hit press. Right. I don't know. Right. So I was like, it's not going to happen. I'm, And maybe that's just me being sort of like, I, again, I call it realistic. My friends are like, you're pessimistic. But I'm like, I don't know. I like to be, I don't know, lean towards a certain way just in case it doesn't fall. It just in case it doesn't happen. So I'm not like let down. But um I'm screaming like every single day. I'm like, I get a FedEx package and it's like swatches. And then it's like the next day, it's like the, you know, the mock-up. And I'm like, oh God, it's a sample from, you know, Asia or whatever. And I'm like, oh my God. Are you agonizing over how this thing should look or are you just going with the flow? I think I'm agonizing, but I'm so in a, like, it's such a blur that it's like, you know, trying to be professional, trying to be like, oh, this is how it should be. But then it's like, oh my God, you know, it's (laughs) Jordan, like. I mean, at that point, it's like I, I would have taken anything. If you would, if they had told me, like, look, this is how it's going to look, you're you're just going to be attached to it. I'd be right. like, all right, right, right. But but you're actually putting it together, yeah. like the materials and yeah. the colors and the whole. So night. I wanted it to be right. So the whole idea was that it was the 25th anniversary, and on a 25th anniversary, you give someone silver. So the laces had a metallic silver. Oh. Um, you also give someone amber. So there there are amber accents inside the shoe. Um, you know, when they brought it to me, I was like, well, you know, my brand's called Violet, and a lot of my brand's inspiration came from a mix of masculine and feminine because I'm a tomboy, but you know, sometimes I'm girly. So the idea for me of, of red and blue sort of, you know, becoming purple was representative of that. It was like two opposites becoming one. Um, so I wanted the shoe to have sort of a masculine feminine connect because, you know, it is a man's shoe, but it was directed towards women. Right. So I wanted to have that sort of element. Um, so, so how long did you work on a project? For a year. For a year. Mm-hmm. And uh, was there a lot of pressure on you? Were you? Did you have pressure like this is this is a Jordan? Like if I fuck this up? You know, there wasn't that much pressure. It was really just like at once it started to become clear to me that it was like, okay, like just going with like the colors, the swatches, the layout, like how I wanted it. It was sort of like, all right, just go with the flow. Right. I think that it wasn't that much pressure because I didn't foresee it being at that point. I don't think I really realized that I was the first and only girl still to this day with all the girls, the girl athletes they have. Right. Exactly. Exactly. That That's a big feat. You know, when, and did, when did that, when that, beco- no pun intended, when did that become reality to you? Like, like this was historic. Um, I don't, I don't think it, it, it doesn't, it, hasn't really 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 hit me even though it's been years it's like every now and again like i'll hear someone on twitter say something or i'll see a girl on the street and it's rare if i ever see a girl on the street wearing them but it's like rare it's rare i see them a lot really yes and i tell you it's even funny because i remember one of our one of my friends has a sneaker battle that he throws and one of the girls was up there wearing your sneakers and i just found it so funny even though uh, you know we i came across you a couple of times but like we don't know each other so i found it so funny like this young girl though you know she had to explain her shoe and she was going up against a guy and you know the guys in this sneaker coach are like you know these are the jordan ones you know they were 85 you know like they, they shit on girls a mm-hmm. lot of time in the sneaker culture so this girl was like it was designed by vastikon and she had all the information really? and and you know um it was dope to see that and i, I you know but, you know, this is to me. It's like you know when you just said all the people that they could have chose. I mean, I'm I'm amazed that it never happened already. And still, even after me, I was like, you know, there's so many girls that they can, and 
I mean, as much as I like, oh, I'm like the first girl, I wouldn't want to only be the only girl. Right. Like to me, it's like, it'd be really amazing to pass the torch on if it's like a, some kind of like a sneaker collector girl out there. Cause there's, those girls also get ignored, you know, it's like, and to me with the sneaker, when I did the sneaker, I was like, oh man, I want to make a sneaker that boys are going to want. Because so many sneakers are made for men and they don't come in small enough sizes and they kind of, and in that way too, it's kind of like playing girls too. Cause Girl, and, and, and that's the thing. A lot of brands were like, okay, we're going to shrink it and pink it. Everything that they make, they won't keep it like the ones that you guys got on. They're like, right. oh, let's make it cute and pink. It's like, girls want to wear I've seen a lot wear. of Spanish guys wearing your uh, sh- twos. Shut your yeah, mouth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I've seen a lot of, you know, the small hey, foot puppy. ones. Yeah, the, you know, the small, the small foot Spanish dudes. Really? You know? Yeah, yeah. I, see. I would is, love to see people that. Get is is it that cool, though, for a man with, to wear a woman? I think so. For a, for a man. Yes. To wear a woman's, like, it's a woman's oh. shoe. Okay, hold on. Unless it's a Louboutin. Right. And even then, which I mean, is happening do, in Atlanta. Do your thing, you know what I'm saying? Like, but, which is great. But what I'm saying is yeah. a sneaker, because girls had to be forced into submission right. so many times, I think a guy could wear. It's a grayish, purplish sneaker. I could see you in those shoes, Pete. Ha- no, disrespect. <laughs> no disrespect. No disrespect, Vashti. I am not wearing the, those right, shoes. Why not? Enough, you, don't, you don't like the colorway? Um, I, I, you don't like the heel? No, no. First of all, I, I, no think they're dope. <laughs> I think they're dope. But I'm, I'm not wearing them. Listen, in the sneaker culture, there are tons but of But you would Jordan. wear that Jordan that's purple? That's similar. No, no. The only jo- woman's Jordan I ever wore was they released a powder blue um, Jordan 3, which I don't understand why they released it in a woman's size. I don't know if you remember. And they released a 5, which was called the Sunset. You remember, like, it was orange and red and white? So you do wear women's shoes? No, I'm saying, I uh, listen. You, you've worn women's shoes? No, I haven't. No, you I haven't. wore the powder blues? I ha- yeah, I have which worn Which is a woman's shoe. Well, oh, live with that, and man. That's fine. Yes. That's, I respect I'm not, yeah, that. I'm not joking I you that. out. Well, I mean, listen, I wore them because I wear women's shoes. No, 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 and I'm proud of you. Now you're getting the, the, the wrong title. <laughs> but I mean, I have seen plenty of girls. Where, I mean, listen, I've seen your sneaker on, on men. I've seen your sneaker on girls. I've seen your sneaker uh, on shelves. I've seen your sneaker um, in outlets. In outlets. And, and, and they're perfect. Like, if you're trying to pick up a girl up for the night, they're perfect, you know, buy. You know, you buy them a pair of Vashtis. Nice. You know? That's so sweet. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, let's go to a station break. Internet, you tune into the Combat Jack Show, the Combat Jack Show with Vashti. Cheers. our special guest. Yeah. Internet, help the Combat Jack Show stay free by completing this short anonymous survey. It would take no more than five minutes. Your answers will help match our show with advertisers that best fit the sensibilities of our podcast and its listeners like you. Yeah, man. Listeners who complete the survey will be entered in an ongoing monthly raffle to win a $100 Amazon gift card. Don't say we never gave you no types of flourishing. $100 Amazon gift card. $100. We promise not to share or sell your email address. And we won't send you an email unless you win. Yep. Please go to www.podsurvey.com slash jack. Run that back again, man. That's www.podsurvey. P-O-D. That's correct. Dot com slash jack. To take our survey and get a chance to win that $100 Amazon gift card. $100, yo. Internet, you're tuned into the Combat Jack Show, the Combat Jack Show with Vashti. Vashti, people look at you as like this perfect New York City tomboy. Mm -hmm. And I know you probably have all of these male stands, (laughs) right? But you have all of these like big brother figures around. And women stands. Well, well, I'm talking about the male stands. 
how does a guy get to Vashti? You know, I don't know. I mean, it's funny because I feel like, you know, I'm, I'm, I don't know. A friend of my, my friend Elle and I always joke, like she's from the South and we always talk about like guys who are like kind of present, but not present. Like guys who are quiet, who kind of like, you know, she made a joke about some guy walking down the street and he was like wearing coveralls and like he had work boots on and he had sawdust on his, on his boots. And she's like, Oh girl, that turned me on. It was like this joke of like how, you know, we're in this scene that I feel like as much as I'm an artist and I like men who are like sensitive and like know how to talk about feelings, but then there's also the guy who like doesn't talk about much. And that's right. kind of cool too. Cause right. it's like, you don't want someone kind of like drowning you out with like too much emotion, but like, uh, you know, the I don't pain I feel in my creativity right. is like, not yeah, being expressed. Right. Vashti. And- right. Like it's, <laughs> it's good to, for you to feel that. Right. But it's like, okay, I don't want to hear about it all the time. Right. You know, like I don't want to be like out like womaned. I don't know. I so, don't know. And then maybe that's too mean to say. So but. do you have a type? You know, I don't have a type. Literally, if I go through and I've had, I've been in long-term relationships since I was 15. Right. Like the shortest was maybe four years. It's funny because in the past few years, like I'll be like with my friends, like out at a party, like, and I'll get photographed with like Q-tip or Lupe. And they're like, she's dating Lupe. She's, and I'm like, Oh, like, no, I'm not. But you Lupe know, might I, be a little too crazy mm-hmm. for you. Well, I mean, <laughs> I, at the time he wasn't, I don't know what's right. going on with him now, but, um, <laughs> but people just assume like I'm around these people and they're right. like, Oh, she's dating them. And it's like, Oh no, actually, if you just like widen out the photo, you might see there's a gentleman there that I've been dating for like seven years. But, right. um, I don't know for me, I don't, I don't have a type. But um, I don't know what that says about me. I don't have a type. Literally, I, they've been of every race, every kind. But they've been mainly artists. I feel like I've I've been attracted to artists. So you like the creative guys? I like creative guys. Right. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I don't have a type. I don't. What's the cleverest pickup line you've heard <laughs> that really got your attention? Yo, ma. <laughs> the elbow pitching pinching no i don't know come um come in um no don't be pinching her elbows no don't that. please don't don't do that to <laughs> any pin- girl right i mean at least say something funny right i mean for me it's not even about being clever i don't know i don't think of a pickup lines ever happened i think it just has to be a conversation right um but i think that humor goes a long way Humor, making you women, women always say that. Like, like, are you, yeah. The guy has to be at but least. But even for the guy, I feel like as much as guys want to be like, oh, she got a body, she got this. It's like you want someone that's gonna make you laugh, right? Because at the end of the day, that booty is gonna disappear. It'll sag. It'll whatever. Or you know, your looks are gonna change, right? And that's fine. We're human. But like at the end of the day, when you're like 80 years old, I'm you know. You still want to be able to chill. Yeah, you're going to look, ne- you, no matter who's next to you, they're not going to look their, you know, how they looked when they were 20 or 30, but you're going to want to be able to have something there that makes you feel like, oh, damn, that was a good time. This is a good time, you know? So right. I feel like humor is important. Right. Yeah. Now, in doing my research, one of the things that popped up, of course, is that you dated Pharrell. <laughs> Do they need to blow up the picture and there's someone I'm else? I'm leaving. There? <laughs> I'm you dated Pharrell, which is which is which is amazing. Like, how did you meet Pharrell? <laughs> oh God! Are, she's, are, you, are you blushing? Are you? Do- I don't talk about these. You things. don't want to talk about it. I don't. We got to keep it real. Though. Oh God! I met him through a mutual friend. I'm, I'm through Pusha. Through Pusha. Now, how yeah. do you know Pusha? Through just being in New York and working and yeah. What type of person is pharrell 
Um, a very nice guy. <laughs> He's a she, very you nice know, guy. Vashi got stiff all of a sudden. <laughs> yeah, she, she got corporate on you. Yeah, she got corporate on me. Um, I don't talk about these things in in life, but uh, right. Well, we're you're not, like right, but anyway, tell us. Um, we're, we're, we're not asking you to. He's a nice. Badge he's you, an, right? a very nice gentleman. Okay, what did you learn from that relationship? Um, what did Pharrell teach you, and what did you teach Pharrell? I think that I learned business by by watching, just because right. I was there, just learning work and business, and um, you know, he's very a very focused individual on on his craft and and music and culture and business and uh in in a very organic and natural way and sort of took every opportunity to the next level and i think that really definitely uh impacted me um i don't know for me i don't know i don't know what i might have taught him but i think that uh you know i was like this young girl who's sort of like interested in art and culture and cool things and so i think that for me because i was in touch with such an underground culture probably maybe influence but um i think that being in that world it really made me go hard <laughs> it made me hit uh the ground running right yeah because you didn't want to be known as just pharrell's girlfriend well also i was also i think that um you know <laughs> this is a conversation <laughs> this is difficult. You haven't, you haven't been. Nobody has asked you this ever. Huh? Nobody has asked you. People have asked me, and I've just been like, next. Right. She's like, I don't get BBC I'm packages like, anymore. What, 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 what were you about to say? No, I think that you know there are are some there are some situations where you are. I don't know. I, I'm gonna say I don't know. Maybe nothing. <laughs> What do we do at this point, Pete? Well, I mean, I think she's stuck in the sense of what people think or what they're saying. So, I mean, you no, know. No, I mean, it's, I mean, for me, it's, you know, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe, maybe you're right. I don't know. Are you uncomfortable right now? Is this making you a little I mean, bit I, I don't, I don't, I never talk about these things. Okay. And it's funny because in 2014, people are so short attention span. And even though we have the internet, people don't know what happened before right. anything. And then I'll see on Twitter and like, oh, I didn't know you dated so-and-so. And it's like, that was like 10 years ago, literally. But a lot of people just don't know. Right. So I like to pretend like people don't know. Okay. No, but we know. <laughs> we know. Um, Internets, we know. Yeah. I mean, I feel like, you know, it's it's hard being a figure in the industry and being with someone who might, who is, is creative. You know, it's sort of a difficult situation. Um, so... For me, I feel like, you know, post all of that, it was like, okay, I have to, I, you know, I can either walk away from it or right, do it. Right. And so I just chose to do it. Right. And you've directed some pretty notable videos. Like you've directed Justin Bieber's, like one of his early videos, his, yeah. his first video. Mm -hmm. How'd you do that? Like, how'd you walk into that? Um. Well, I... Again, I'd worked at Def Jam and then I left. And then I think within that year of me leaving, um, the video department reached out and was like, hey, we really are interested in you directing this video. Was this before he was like? Yeah, before. Right. Before. Um, how old was he? You know, everyone, recently people have asked me that question and I don't know how old he was. I know that he was really young. He's, I looked at the video today. and it, He was young. I feel like he was young. under 15. Right. Um, what kind of kid was he? 
He was incredible. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure he is in his own way now. I mean, I will say that a lot of people give him flack, which is fine, but I feel like, what is he, 19? And I, I mean, how many 19 year olds who have that much money and that much fame are you really trying to like kick it with? I mean, right. whatever. He's in his own world and he's also growing, but whatever. When I met him, I was like completely unsure. I was like, oh God, I'm, I'm doing this video. It was on my birthday. I had to like fly out there um, we're, to we're LA. LA, okay. To do this. At, um, Usher, at Usher's house. It wasn't his real house. It okay. was the house that we pretended was his house for okay, the video. Right. Um, and um, yeah, it was, I remember being like, I don't know what kind of kid he is. You know, because in, in my head, was, so many of these kids who were famous, you know, even like Miley Cyrus, whoever, I don't know. They're all like trained, like, oh, hey, I can tap dance on command and I can do whatever. It's like, because they were trained to do this, right? So I like walked in and I'm like sitting there and I'm like talking to his mom, who's very young. She's like in her early 30s at the time. And then like, talking to him and i'm like oh i'm like he didn't go to dance class he, his parents didn't like pour all this money into him to he be wasn't his, he wasn't a disney kid he wasn't a disney kid right and he wasn't you know he was in a lane of his own in a way where he was like he taught himself how to solve a rubik's cube in 90 seconds like can skateboard and break dance and to me it was like all these things that i grew up loving so i was like oh like i felt like oh we were like I had a kinship with him. So. Did you have to talk to him before you developed your treatment, or did no? You have a treatment? I, I wrote the treatment. Okay. They had they had an idea. They were like, "Oh, we want it to be a house party." So for right. me, I was like, "Oh man, all these '80s movies that were house parties, you know, were cool. Where it was like, you know, weird science or whatever. But it was like all these weirdos showed up. But then the preppy kids were there. Then the nerds were there. Like it so was that, a real eclectic crowd in that in that well, video. I tried. Right. Well, you did. Well, well, there were there was one tattooed kid. They were like, "We don't want him in it," and I'm like, "But why? It's a house party. It's wild and crazy." And they were like, "Oh, it's like 13 year olds." I'm like, "Yeah, but I worked at a <laughs> now look at this tattoo is on Bieber." You also worked on uh, ADHD for uh, Kendrick. Mm-hmm. That was a dope video. Thank you. How was that? Because because Kendrick, this was like four years, three or four years ago. Yeah, he was on a come up, but he hadn't popped. Yeah, I think he it was a mixtape at that point, and uh, they had like no real budget. And I heard the song and I was like, I'm doing this. Right. I, I'm absolutely doing this, even if it comes out of my own pocket. Um, it was funny because I wrote the treatment. Like I listened to the song and I think I was going through something really internal. I was like sort of like in this weird point, um, being introspective and sort of feeling lonely, like being at being social. It's funny because, you know, my friends joke about how like I'm known for being like, oh, you're downtown sweetheart. You're so social. But really, I hate being social. It's like my worst nightmare to be at an event. It's like my worst. What do you mean? Like, like uh, for me, having a conversation like this is like totally fine. Right. But going to an event where it's like, hey, I'm Bastian. I'm, I do this. Like, is it kind of fake? Ne- ne- no. Networking and socializing to me is not at all my interest. Right. Right. And it's also, it's really difficult for me. Like I'm really sort of, I like to be, and, and that sounds kind of pompous in the way too, but I don't, I don't know. I'm really uncomfortable being social. Right. Um, which I can understand. Yeah. So, um, and you have to be, social. so I have to be social. I've to, learned how the, right. to, I've learned the, uh, the ways to do it where it's, where it feels real and where it's natural for me, right. but it's definitely not in, in my comfort zone. Like Friday nights, every Friday night, if you ask me what happened on Dateline two weeks ago, I'll tell you because right. I was on my couch watching it with right. my friends. Um, if I'm not working a party, I'm not at a party. Um, so I feel like for me, the ADHD, ADHD video represented this feeling of like, being out with friends, but being in your own head, which is a weird, it happens where you're sort of like, 
you know, maybe a family member is sick and you're upset or you just went through a breakup or whatever and you're in your head, but you're at, at in a social event. So for me, it was it was sort of that feeling paired with the fact that when we started talking while I was filming this, because the whole time they were like, oh, let's have pills and drugs and alcohol in it. And growing up, you know, again, I was straight edge. I didn't do drugs. I've never smoked weed. Um, just started drinking. So I was talking to him. I was like, oh, so do you... I was like, do you do pills? He was like, no. Because the song talks about that. Right. He's like, no. I was like, do you smoke weed? He was like, no. I was like, do you drink? He's like, no. I was like, so no, we're not putting any of this in the video. Right. Why? So why, why? Why do you want to yeah. do this? Right. He, he, it wasn't his suggestion. It was right. other people's suggestion. And I was like, look, you know, you're a young dude. And for me, the last thing I want to do is push this forceful idea that young people should be like partying and like doing stuff, you know, whatever. So I was like, let's just keep it real. And you know, growing up. So again, like I grew up in the hood, but then I met, you know, a lot of really cool, interesting people by, you know, hanging out downtown, white kids from the suburbs, going to this really good high school, whatever. And a lot of my friends who were like these like wild white kids would like break into abandoned spaces all the time. Like that was their thing. And I was like, that's weird and creepy. I never really did it. I maybe we did it once or twice with them, but I was like, this is creepy and weird. I don't want to do this anymore. But so part of the video is like they break into this abandoned building, right. which at the time was me and my manager, Johnny Shipes's office space for cinematic smoker smokers club. Um, but it was this giant empty space and it was pretty scary because it was just so big. Right. Um, so we just used that as like the space, but it's funny because a lot of young people were like, Oh, I don't get it. I don't like that video. But to me, it's like all me, like even the girl who's like pretend typing and pretending to be. A, I do that all the time. Like if I'm in an office space, I'm like, let's pretend. <laughs> so how do you feel about where he is right now? I'm so happy for him. Right. Did you foresee that? Did you have any idea that he'd be? No, I had no idea. No idea. I mean, I think that he's one of the people who's to me, he's huge. He's so big. And he's making music that people can listen to in the club right. or wherever. And it, but it's. It's meaningful. It's not like, you know, I won't go into it and, and I'm not judging because a lot of music, it serves its perfect purpose, but it's not changing your life. It's not saying something to you that's going to make you, it's not going to provoke a thought, you know? And I feel like it, I love that it's thought provoking. Are you working on any new videos right now? I am. I'm working on videos for like brands. Right. Um, probably doing something for Joey Badass soon, but um. But I'm in a really great position because, you know, the music industry is in a strange place. Music videos are in a strange place. But because all these other worlds and elements kind of like take care of me, if a project comes to me and it's like, you know, this is the music and I love it and it's a passion, then I'll do it. You know, like I'm at this point in my career, I'm not just taking on projects because I'm like, oh, it's a great budget and I want to, and I'm going to do it because you want to be money. inspired. I want to be inspired. Right. So I think it's, I'm in a great place for that. So, um, so I kind of take work as it comes. So brands love Vashti, you know, I'm no kidding. I mean, yeah, <laughs> no, I mean, I, I, kidding. I will say this for somebody who has came off, say when you were young, being weird, like people, you know, would figure mm-hmm. you to be weird and shy and, 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 and bullied. And, you know, how, how does it feel to now then fast forward, um, have all these brands love you, have people love you for who you are. You have man, you know, man crushes, woman crushes. I mean, I mean, I see when you DJ sometimes if I'm at an event, I see people wait to say hello to you. Um, you know, you're somewhat of like a phenomenon now, like where people really like just want to meet you or just 
do things with you if they're a company? I mean, how does that feel? It feels surreal. It feels weird. I mean, I feel like I, I don't think I can really experience it because I'm in it. So right. I can't really feel what it is, but it is pretty crazy. Um, and it's funny. I will say that the only reason I'm still on Facebook is so that my bullies can see me. Because uh, <laughs> I noticed they started requesting me and I was like, I'm going to I'm gonna sign off of Facebook. And right. I was like, wait, all you girls were never friends with me. And now you want to be friends. I was like, yeah, we're friends and see what I'm doing. And that's it. But um, I think... So you have the last word. Yeah. I mean, for the most part, I feel like I'm still like this weird bullied kid. I feel like that. Right. And I think that, you know, for me, when I meet people who... Because there are people who just like, oh, I saw you on Instagram and that's cool. And I want to take a picture with you. And that's that's fine. But then I see these people, the you know, people from all age groups who are like, you inspired me to do this. Or, you know, I didn't feel the, have the confidence to do X, Y, and Z. And I got bullied. So to me, when that happens, it's like a real like heartwarming moment. It's a like, connection. Yeah. Why, why don't you follow anybody on Twitter? Because I'm not a reader. Right. And I don't like to read. And also because when I first signed on to Twitter, I did not want to sign on to Twitter. And my friend Oscar was like, yo, V, you could just sign on and not follow anyone. And I was like, okay, what does that mean? He's like, that just means you just don't read what other people post. I'm like, okay. So I was like, all right. And then that worked for me because I'm like, I'm not a reader. I don't like, I mean, if you send me a picture, I'd much prefer that. So so you don't read? I don't read, but I will say that in the past two months, I started reading again. I mean, I'll read things that. What What do you read? Like The Alchemist. Okay. Or, you know, Nabokov, uh, Lolita. Like, Lo- I mean, Lolita is one of my favorite books. It's right. really a, a, a lot to read. But um, I don't know. I like to read things that just ra- like randomly. So you don't read blogs. You're not online. No. I literally have blinders on for that. Really? Why? Well, number one, no offense to any, bl- any blog, but a lot of blogs just reblog whatever. Ever. Right. It's all the same news. Maybe a different take slightly, right. but it's all the same news. Like who wore what? what video came out, who said what, who dissed this person, whatever. And to me, it's like, I, I don't know. And I'm, and I still battle with this in this whole digital world. Cause it's like, there's so much coming at you. It's right. like, all of a sudden I'm on my phone. It's like Twitter, then it's Instagram. Then it's, you know, an email. Then it's, you know, Oh my, I reminder. It's, it's just all this right. flooding me. And for me, as someone who's very like, I don't know. Maybe I'm. I just am one tracked, and I like to move. Are you slowly. a little ADD or something? Like I'm not that? ADD, but I just I can't take it all in at once. <laughs> right. For one, and for two, I'm not interested in what other people think in terms of music that I don't know. Like right. if if I if my friend tells me, "Hey, there's this new album by School Boy Q. You should check it out." I'm gonna be like, "I'm gonna listen to that." Right. But I don't want to hear three blogs tell me that this is the hottest song of the year. I don't want to listen to it because you've pumped it up so much that at that point when I listen to it, I'm like, eh, it's okay, right. you know? But also I think that people, we get so brainwashed where it's like everyone's talking about it, so it must be hot, so it's everything's hot because everyone's saying it's hot. So how do you use Twitter then? Like, I, I, I can't understand how you, you, you're on Twitter. Right. You have all these followers, but you don't, like, you wake, what do you do when you look at Twitter? I just, I look at what's trending right. in New York, not international. Oh, who has added you? No. No. I just look at what's, I look at what's trending. I look at what people have said to me. Cause sometimes, yeah, I do. When people at me, it's like, oh, can you say happy birthday to me? Or, hey, I love what you do. Da, 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 da. I'll look at that. And or if the pe- creeps. <laughs> and if people say something compelling, like, okay, wish me happy birthday. I'll do that. Right. Um, or if it's like, you know, 
if they say something that's like, like check out my video or check out this, I'll try and check out what they're sending me. But for me, it's like, I mean, I don't know. What are we talking about online? I don't know. I don't, I don't, I still don't understand Twitter. Twitter and Facebook to you me are struggles. You might be smarter than all of us. No. I'm, I mean, she, I think so. She, she really might be smarter than all of us. I think so. I don't think so. But Instagram is my my joint. Right. I love Instagram. You love Instagram. It's pictures. I'm all about pictures. Right. I mean, I, and it's funny because I will follow and unfollow for like the strangest criteria. If you're posting food, I will unfollow you. I don't care. How, <laughs> I don't care how close <laughs> we I guess are. We can, we can never you guys be, can't uh, be friends. Sorry. No. Sorry. Him and Bun B have a site called You Gotta Eat This. Okay. Well, that's great. Okay. <laughs> oh, no, because it has Bun B involved. <laughs> she's not fucking with you. <laughs> no, she's not fucking no. with me. Sorry, but food, because it makes me hungry. Right. And it's like, I can't eat what you posted. Right. So why am I following this? You know? Um, people who go on ra- like rants. Okay, I can't do that. Right. I've unfollowed friends, and also I don't want to read text. So you're like, your quotes. I hate quotes on on fucking Instagram. <laughs> Why? I hate that shit. And they're the. You must gather honestly, together to defeat. The, I'm yeah. like, what the fuck are you talking about? This is Instagram. And a lot of people that do, it, I love it. It's like. It doesn't make any sense that you just posted that. It right. just makes no sense. Right. Well, I, 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 I don't agree with that because I, I agree with but, that. But, but, well, listen, and both I don't want to see no words on Instagram because it's, it's a fucking camera. No, because you know what? Sometimes, like, I'll post something that, like, you know, I have, I have a colorful journey, and say I may put something, a quote from me. That shit on Twitter, man. No, I, I, and sometimes I put it on Instagram, <laughs> and I see people. Purely right. Like, thanks. I needed that today. You've never and seen me. Yeah, I know but it then sounds it's crazy. Out of their head by the second they read it. I've never seen me respond to any of those things. But yeah, because on your you know, Instagram account. You, yeah, but we're not talking about you. <laughs> but some people, you know, you never know. You know, and pause to this, but you never know who you touch. You never know what what you do, how it reaches somebody. Mm-hmm. You you never know. You know, like I talk a lot about being a parent. And it reaches so many people. I have people See, email different. me yes, all the time. You know, you know, you never know how you can help someone. You know, so so you know, just by writing something sometimes, or something that even maybe is close to you, sometimes that works for people. I'm just saying, you know, Fasty, what's your spirit animal? Um, <laughs> you know, the way you said that was pretty funny, but what's your spirit animal? I think it's my spirit animal is just a cat. Right. I have a cat, so. Like I'd like to be like, oh, it's like a leopard or something. No, it's maybe a cat. Because I'm like very like at home. I don't like to leave home ever, ever. I hate to travel. I travel a lot. I've been going to Paris a lot, like once a month since October. Um, and as much as I love, I love the experience of being in places. Right. I hate traveling. But I also have a bad memory. It's like I'm not going to remember half the things I see or do. And I have a great imagination. So it's like, why do I need to travel? So you're really a creature of habit. Completely. Right. I eat the same thing every day. Every day. Every day. I go to the. What do, same, what do you eat? Um. Okay. So I'm I'm vegan. Yes. And raw. Okay. But I sometimes eat fish. So a lot of people debate with me, like, "Oh, you're not really vegan." But it's like I don't eat dairy. I don't eat eggs. I once in a while eat fish. But I mainly eat raw foods, like salads and like and raw ice cream that I saw raw ice you cream. T- yes. Tweet earlier. So, so. Yeah. Every single day. I had raw tiramisu the other day. Where? From where? My wife got it for her brother who doesn't eat shit. Really? Did you play the piano? It was really raw tiramisu and it was, it was pretty good. Okay. I should have brought you guys. Actually, you know know where it is? It's on, um, it's, um, in Tribeca and (laughs) I'll I'll give you the address. No, both of you. It's all raw. 
Both of you have me. Like, like I had raw tournament. Like, yo, I mean, that's not my thing. But I, I, I know, but both of you sound like you know, sound like you. There was a violinist there, like playing a fucking violin, like eating. It's twenty fourteen. Okay. Okay. Yeah, okay. Get over it, Pete. It's it's sold you, like you down both the street. sound too fancy for Vashti. me. It's not fancy. When, I want a beef when's, patty. When's the last time you were really angry? Um, last time I was really angry. Like how angry? I get stressed out with work. Like things. scary angry. Like oh, don't fuck with Vashti. She's angry today. Um, I get angry when I'm DJing lately. Really? Because if something if the, it's not working and it's like oh my god the pressure is on I like lose it. Right. And I think but you I, don't lose it at towards anybody. You I know? lose it towards friends because right. friends know me, so right. I can like gear it towards them. But it's funny because like um, a couple months ago, my friends from Amsterdam were in town from Pata, uh, a store of brand called Pata. That's G. Yes, Tim. Shout out. I like Masterly. Yeah, I, I, this guy gets Pata shit all That's the time. That's family. I'm I know trying, them. I'm I know them over ten years. They're amazing. Yeah. So they asked me to DJ their like after party, and I was like, for sure, like no problem. I show up. You know, I use turntables when I DJ, and for the most part, it's it's a dying art form. I mean, not to say that I like carried records through clubs. That's like a real like art form. Whatever, whatever. So I'm using turntables, and a lot of people don't use it. A lot of people use memory sticks nowadays, especially in Europe or CDJs. But I don't. Whatever. I use turntables. So. Right. A lot of clubs and a lot of places, like their turntables are like just falling apart. They're old. They don't really upgrade it because they don't have to because it's eventually they're going to phase it out. Yeah. So I was DJing and it was like every troubleshooting issue popped up where it was like a turntable just stopped working. And then this song started slowing down and I'm freaking out because it's like. It's, it's, a, show, it's showtime. It's showtime. And it's the same It's the same thing. So like people are looking at me. They're going to be like, yo, she's a whack ass DJ. Right. If it was someone. Which you really care about. Which I care about. Yeah. And if someone's singing, you know, or performing and their, you know, their inner ear things stop working and they can't hear themselves it and them it throws them off and they're off key or whatever. And then it makes them look bad. Right. So I was like freaking out. And then a friend of mine was like, yo, you good? And I was like, no, I'm not good. Like I like lost it on him. And he was like, my bad. And he had never seen me like lose it. Right. And I did that to two friends that okay. night. So that was, I mean, I wouldn't say that's scary, but it's just not what I do. Like right. I'm sort of. Even nowadays, it's like, I don't, I don't want to, I don't care to argue or debate. Like, if you want me to get sassy, I will get sassy. I will get sassy. Right. But I'm not, I'm never going to like just take on like an argument or a fight for any reason. I'm just like, whatever. So, what is it? What, tell us something about you that really people don't know about you. Cause like I said, you have like this perfect life. I mean, it looks like from the, I mean, it's, you know, people, you know, you never know. People from the outside looking in, the grass is always green on the other side. Right. But people look at Vashi and it looks like you've always had your shit together. You know what I mean? Right. So, like, is there like creep Vashti? Like, like, what aspect of you that people, like, can you share with us, like, this aspect of Vashti that people I'm, don't know? I have, I have crazy anxiety. Right. I have anxiety. I get really nervous. Uh, normally for, Things like this, like on camera or whatever, I'm like nervous. I'm like, oh my god, I'm you're not nervous now. No, I'm not. Okay. This was different because okay. this is a conversation, right? right? So I, you guys made me feel really comfortable. Good. Good, good, but good. like any, I mean, you can name any v- interview I've probably done, and I can tell you, I was sweating up a storm underneath my shirt, really? like like nervous and like, right. oh my god, what are you like, nervous about? I'm like nervous because I got, you know, I feel like it's you know trauma from being made fun of like you don't think anything you're going to do is good enough or that's like i can imagine that the person talking to me is making fun of me in their head or you don't want to get set up right so it's like trusting right right, the process in terms of people that you don't know but you're sharing right so i feel like 
I've been an introvert and I've learned to be an extrovert for the right moments. Right. And I think that that's something that is about me that people might not know. Like, I don't know. What's Broccoli Fest? Broccoli Fest. So Broccoli Fest is a really cool festival that started, I think, last year uh, in D.C. by a bunch of, I feel like a whole bunch of dudes, like African-American community um, that were interested in doing something that, like, brought attention to vegetarianism, veganism, you know, eating organic, eating healthy, which to me has been, you know, since I've been 12 is something that's been close and dear to my heart. And obviously something that's been not as popular, especially growing up. Maybe now it's been more and more popular, but, um, definitely not in the inner city. No, definitely Definitely not. not. Yeah. And I had this conversation also with other people where it's like, they're like, Oh, well your family's from the West Indies. So they grew up eating other stuff. And I'm like, no, that doesn't no. mean anything. Yeah. Right. Like my parents didn't grow up eating organic or whatever. It's like you just, you have to put yourself on. You can't expect people to force you into right. submission. So, right. um, but I love that they're doing this because I feel like it's just spreading awareness. So it started in DC. I hosted in DJ last year. They expanded to DC and then LA this year again. I, um, hosted and DJ the LA portion, which was awesome. Um, I met this young woman, um, who came up to me and was like, yo, I've been vegan for a year. You inspired me to be vegan. I lost 40 pounds. That's crazy. Yeah. That's really crazy. So, um, I don't know, stuff like that. That's stuff that's really inspiring and amazing. And I love that they're doing it. So, I mean, every year that they do it, they want me a part of it. I'm down to do it. Nice. Is your boyfriend, uh, vegan also? Uh, (laughs) I've never had a vegan boyfriend actually. Uh, How hard is that? It's not hard. In, In New York city, it's definitely not hard. Um, but again, it goes back to like, you know, I like dudes who are open. So it's like if I'm going to treat you to a meal and it's vegan, then be open to it, right. you know? So, um, but I've never had a vegan boyfriend. Never had no temptation or, you know, while he's sitting there eating a filet mignon with a lobster tail and maybe, you know, something that, you know, seems or smells or looks good. No, no never. Meat has never, I've never been tempted by meat. I miss cheese. Pizza, for sure. If I see pizza, I'm like, damn. But I'm never, like, even if I'm starving and I don't have any, like, vegan options in my house, and there's maybe... I won't eat it. No. no, You don't submit to temptation. I don't. That's amazing. I'm all or nothing. That's amazing. And you never never fell, like, you know, at all? You know, I know a lot of people, like, my niece was vegan for a while, but then she fell and then she came back and, you know, you never... You've been straight since she was 12 years old. Yeah. Well, I mean, we don't know if she fell, you know? We don't know if she, you know, one time went to uh, Peter Luger's. No. I mean, well, I will say that I did go a time when I was dating someone who ate meat and I was, like, cooking it, like I said earlier. I, like, started eating it, but then would forget to order it, never wanted to eat it. And I was like, why do I say I eat meat? I don't eat meat. I don't like it. I mean, I feel like it's not for everyone, right? right. Like there are some people who, who crave it. And I think that it's important for you to listen to your body. Because right. it's, you know, we all have different bodies. We have different tastes and whatever. But for me, I don't miss meat at all. I don't miss it. It was no, boring. That, 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 that's great. When I first started eating meat, I remember I was like, I went straight to steak. And then someone gave me chicken. I was like, oh, the chicken's so boring. I don't want chicken. Right. Some reason I have this question. And this is going to be the last question. I, I, for some reason, I want to ask you this question. Okay. At home with your boyfriend, do you fart with the covers on or off? <laughs> 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 oh, my God. That is so disturbing. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, off or on? <laughs> off and on. Okay. 
I don't know. We're human. I don't know. I the, the things like that, which is why I would never be with someone who did not understand that. I don't know. Like I wouldn't be grossed out. It's like whatever. I've been in really like deep, deep situations with boyfriends, you know, where it's like, look, I've had to see some crazy stuff like ailments or whatever. And it's like, whatever. We're human. Right. I mean, if that's going to creep you out. So shit like that doesn't creep. You no. Out. I mean, you can literally keep the door open when you're going to the bathroom. I don't, I, and I will stand there and talk to you. No, that I, does not disturb I, close me. Close the door, please. Well, I will say this PSA to all men out there. Uh, you, you, if you're having a, a kid with your, um, your significant other, um, and you're in the emergency room and that kid's about to come out. Do not look at, uh, that kid coming out. Do not. I disagree. Okay. Because, uh, you know, you know, my daughter was, you born. will never look at that the same ever again. I'm going to tell you this story. I, I've never told this story, but my daughter was born in our house. Really? Yeah. In our, in our bedroom. We had a midwife. Oh, and, wow. I love and, that. And my wife was just telling me. Wait, the story. you had her in a bedroom and then you had her in a bedroom? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's okay. amazing. We put it down and then we got it out. Yes. So um, during labor, my wife got tired. She got exhausted. It was all natural. I and, love that. And the midwife was like, hold up. Your wife ran out of energy. So she stood my wife up and then she had me sit down. And then my wife sat on me. And she's like, you guys are going to push together. I didn't even have a chance to take the cam- camo shorts off. So now we're pushing <laughs> and it's getting all wet and everything. And as she's pushing, I'm pushing with her. And then at a certain point, I push and I catch a cramp. And it's the midwife. It's the doula. It's all these women. It's me. It's like, there's no fucking way. I'm going to tell any of these women I got yeah. a cramp and we had to power through that. Yes. And, you know, I mean, I, I, seen, I seen everything and it was on me. And we power through, man. It's a beautiful thing. Okay, I'm going to say um, another thing that people yeah. don't know about me. I'm I'm getting teary. I'm a cry baby. Really? I will cry at a commercial. I will cry. Like, that story is beautiful. I love that. Thank you. So did you make another person cry, Combat? I guess we did. <laughs> Listen, Vashti, you are beautiful, as they say, <laughs> and you are perfect. And, and you, you're blessed. You know what I'm saying? You're, it Very. seems like everything that you do, at least publicly, turns to gold. Thank you. So I wish you continued success. Thank you. Please feel free. You've already, you know, been on the Combat Jack show. If you ever want to come back, you know, you have an open invitation. And is there anything else you want to share with us? Uh, nope. Uh, thank you for having me. I want to. I want to leave her on this note. I want to uh, let you know. You know, like when we speak about inspiring people and stuff, and you know, coming from you know where you came from, and then you know where you are now, and then people questioning you. I'm sure, like, what does she do, or et cetera. You know, people are gonna hate on somebody regardless. But I will say this: I'm very my daughter. She's 14, and I'm very uh, critique on you know how to critical. raise her. Well, critical. I critique. I'm critical on just raising her. I'm, I'm separated since she was two. Um, I'm fully, fully, fully involved. Um, and um, it's funny because now she's 14, and now she's like very like you know um, she Fuck loves she loves makeup. Yeah, yeah, yeah. kind of. Fuck like, dad. But like, and and it's funny because she. I bring her shopping and she likes, you know, her style is all over the place. And, and it's, it, 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 it's funny, but you know, it's like one time she was telling me, well, I want to wear uh, flannels or with boots or I want to wear shorts. or And, and I said to her, and it's, it's, it, it's funny too, but I said to her, I says, go take a look. She's on Instagram. I said, go take a look at this girl, uh, Vasty's page. Um, she's got a dope style. She's like a tomboyish, but then she's, like a girl. She's like fashionable, but then she's streetwear. She's like a tomboy, but yeah. she's like a girl. No, no, no. But anyway, to make a long story short, like <laughs> for me to do that, 
you know, it, it, it meant a lot because, you know, um, there's not many positive influences out here as girls, you know, where it's like... You as go women. Say, as women. You send it to a page <laughs> and you never know what it is. So anyway, that's what I did and I felt very comfortable with it, where it wasn't somebody who was, uh, uh, you know, positive... Twerking. Uh, yeah, a, po- a positive... Cakes. A positive chick, man, that is doing some dope stuff, so... Salute to you and blessings. Thank Va- Vashi, you. when is your collabor with uh with Cam dropping? Uh, it's coming out in about a week or two. It's really? Called, it's called Violet Haze. Can we get some stuff? Absolutely. You make t-shirts for chubby dudes? Um, yes. Okay. And skinny dudes. <laughs> and skinny dudes. Yes. I'll get your information. So it's uh, it'll be at violetnewyork.com. Uh, my latest New York collection is coming out too. I did a collaboration with Kunle Martins, who's a graffiti artist by the name of Iris not really, but his artist name is Iris, um, Kunle Martins. And then uh, Baron Von Fancy, who's a very big artist too. So it's there's the Violet Hayes collection, then there's the New York collection that's all New York inspired. So it's like Empire State, New York Giant, 718, 212. It's like all New York, New York, Knicks, New York. Knicks, any Knicks? Knicks um, tape. Well, I can't use the name or right. the color. Like I can't but do Knicks inspired? It's all, yeah, all New York inspired. And uh, You're a big sports fan. I, I am a New York sports fan. New York sports fan. Yeah. What is it about New York sports? I'm obsessed with New York. Right. And uh, I have all these charms that say like New York State and uh, New York Forever, whatever. I don't know. I'm obsessed with New York. But not necessarily the Nets. No, not the Nets. Sorry. Not yet. No, never. Do you think you'll ever never. endear yourself because they're not a New never. York team? Never. They're not. It's fine. Nobody yeah. even knows who Brooklyn Nets fans are. There are people who are wearing U-neck uh, t-shirts. Yeah. You know, with, with, like, with sandals but no like socks. Just, just Damn, you're so here. hardcore. I am. That's okay. You know what? I will be honest. Like as much as you were like, what do people, I, I am really, my my friend says that you're, that I'm really sassy because my br- older brother was gay. So he was very like shady. Like he had like quick shady moments. And she's like, you say the slickest things that people, read people. catch up on like five minutes later. Like she said that. I didn't even realize she said that. So I kind of have a, I can be real like sassy and people don't know that. Thank you. There it is. Another (laughs) episode. There it is. This this is going to be a different one. It's definitely different. And I think that'll be, uh, you know, some people who don't know of you, maybe will learn about you. They will know about you. I hope so. Fashy, thank you. Thank you very much. Premium, thank you. Internets, you know what it is, man. Dream those dreams and then man up and live those dreams because a life without dreams is black and white and the universe flows in technicolor and surround sound. Blah. Blah. Internets, this episode of the Combat Jack Show is brought to you by the Loudspeakers Network. It's produced by Jonathan Mena. It's engineered by Samir Karam, executive producer Chris Morrow, and we tape exclusively out of the Engine Room Audio Studio in downtown Manhattan. Yeah.